Welcome to Lang Time Chat, episode 12. In other words, this is a whole year now. A whole year. Oh, yeah. I guess that is what that means if we do this once a month, huh? <laughs> I mean, by standard Earth calculations, yes, but by other world calculations, it's just 12 podcasts. That's all that matters. That's right. And today I'm going to uh, be driving the topic and asking David some questions. Mm -hmm. um, it's very exciting. Okay, but first, like the, the focus of this podcast is going to be on fanlings. Is that actually a term or did I just start using it because it worked? Uh, it's both. Um, so it was already a term, Good. but nevertheless, I believe that you independently invented it. Um, you know, not like you hadn't heard it before. You just independently invented it. And it was fine because it makes sense and it works. Yeah. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Because, because um, uh -huh. to give like some context for the backstory here, in case anyone's curious what brought this to my forefront, to the forefront of my mind, that would be more of what you would say in English. Um, in my class this semester, I have more students than ever creating fanlings. Um, huh. In the past, it's been a lot more of students creating their own worlds and, you know, just kind of doing whatever yeah. really speaks to them. Um, but in this particular class, there has been a major shift where just so many students are creating um, languages for existing fictional fantasy worlds. And so um, whether they're games, some of them are doing it for games, um, some for shows, movies. So like, um, it's just like, I find it very interesting. And on the one hand, like that makes it easier when you start the language because, you know, there's all these preset elements that you don't have to make decisions about. Like you already know who your speakers are. You already know what the world looks like, what kind of words you're going to need because you've seen where they live, how they interact and so on. Um, but the downside is that there's preset elements and you're kind of stuck <laughs> with what the game or the show gives you unless you want to do some sort of radical reconstruction of what you're working with. And so today's focus is going to be on how to create a language for an existing world and how to hopefully do it well. Um, and so my first question is more general because David, this is obviously just like what you do a lot is create languages yeah. for worlds that are just handed to you. And it's like, here's these characters, here's what you have to have words for. Um, and what are some of the difficult things, especially things that you wouldn't necessarily think about whenever you go into a project like that? Um, what are some difficult things you've had to work around because everything has been sort of handed to you and it's like, this is how it is? Let me, um... Let me begin this, uh, or let me begin my the answer to this question by um, showing you my compatriot over here. Which on a podcast, I'm going to go ahead and explain. You'll see this when the YouTube video is released, but right now Roman <laughs> is sleeping in this great little tiny beam of sunshine hitting him right on the forehead. Um, uh, and yes. now he's moving his head down like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah um, so but he happy. does look very snuggled and happy. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he didn't stay with me last uh, yesterday, but today he's so happy. And so I want to say things that will make him happy. 
<laughs> like he's a very good boy who doesn't bite me and doesn't claw me. And that's so nice. Anyway. <clears throat> that is, yes. Yeah. So going so, back to the actual podcast. Yeah, so problems. Um, there is always a either the risk of a problem or or a problem when you are inheriting something that you have to give order to that was created with no order at all. Um, and that's and that's the the that's the biggest issue. And uh, it becomes more and more difficult the more and more material there is. Um, so basically, the more material there is, the the tougher your job is going to be, no matter what. Uh, if there was no guiding principle um, to what was being created, or if there was a guiding principle, but the guiding principle makes no sense. Uh, so, for example, like a lot of the Star Wars stuff was created by, um, you know, like just the names and the words and everything were created by uh, finding two random words in a magazine and sticking half of one with the half of the other. Um, and so that is, you know, it is a guiding principle. It's a metric. Uh, I'm sure William S. Burroughs would be a big fan, but um, it's not great when you have to come up with a system that lies behind it. Uh, because really the only thing that we can be absolutely certain of with respect to language is that there is, it's basically one larger system with interdependent, interdependent and interrelated uh, subsystem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they may clash at times, but there's, there's order there in everything. We haven't found yet anything that qualifies as a language where there isn't something that you can rely on. Um, and, and often these systems that are created you know, uh, ahead of time, that's precisely the case. There's nothing that you can rely on whatsoever. It'll just be totally random. Um, so yeah, the, um, I guess the amount of material is the biggest, uh, is the biggest impediment, the biggest obstacle. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking of a specific project that I won't name, but it's, it was just too much. It was too much. Ugh. Was it in specifically with thinking about like everything that they gave you that they're like, we want all of these words to show up kind of thing or like trying to and, figure out what makes sense given these names of places and people. And that's the other thing though. That's the other thing that, that you'd think it would be helpful, but it actually isn't. Uh, often um, what you're, especially with television shows and movies, um, you're working with a third party, a mm -hmm. third party who's adapting somebody else's work. Yeah. Uh, and so when they come to you, like usually uh, when push comes to shove, they say, well, just make something that like works for you, make something that's consistent for us. Um, and you don't have to take everything into account. Um, but like, I'm not coming on to projects where it's like, oh, this is a, an obscure little book that has like five fans, but the director or whatever really loved it. Mm -hmm. um, there are huge franchises that have millions of fans over decades, right? And the thing is like, that's who's going to care. Right. Um, and so it's fine for like the, you know, the director and producer to say that, like, 
because they have so much more that they're doing. And it's like, you know, for them, it's not just, oh, we removed this character, right? They're, they're, we're talking like characters, character design, setting the story, like everything they're trying to do, plus producers breathing down their neck. With, with me, right? Like when I'm coming out of a project, it's like, this is the only thing I'm doing. I'm just doing the language. So at the very least, I should try to get that right. Um, and also, um, and I can't undersell this, I am incurably lazy, especially the larger the project gets. And so if it's just me, like working on the project, I am much more than likely to push things off to later and then throw my hands up and say, well, I, I did my best when really I didn't. Um, it helps to have somebody responsible, somebody you respect, um, and someone who will do the hard work that I am just not willing to do to work with. I mean, I don't know who that person might be. <laughs> no idea. But, you know. That's that's the crucial thing, I think. Especially I, I think that stage. that leads into my next question, which is mm. what advice do you give someone if they're choosing to work with an, ex, an existing world or a fantasy land? And so the first piece of advice is obviously find a partner. Yeah. That was that piece uh -huh. of advice. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, obviously I have a very good partner in Little Roman. He doesn't say a lot, but um, he does what I need him to do. But he's dependable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor little guy. Who's so, never, never bitten me ever. Right. I want to go on and, record and say that. You, you go on record to lie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go on record, then that's perjury. I've seen the photo <laughs> evidence otherwise. Um, as has anybody who's seen, I think you posted on like Twitter. Oh, wait, no, there Look we go. This. He's showing it right Look now. Okay. Look at this. I mean, at a certain point, you might think I'm one of these people that cuts themselves, but no, it's just you. It's just you, you little rat. Roman. I love um, you so. So in terms of advice for somebody yes. who is doing it on their own and they don't have a producer or a mm -hmm. fan base, of, you know, decades old fan base, um, what are some things that, that they may want to watch out for or things that, you know, things you may have advice about for how to how to create a nice fan lane that feels real. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the macro level, you could just, uh, I, I, I could make the suggestion, even though I don't, I say, I, I'll say this, but like, I don't do it. Um, you could just draw a circle around what your canon is gonna be and exclude everything outside that circle and then make what order you can. Um, and it feels to me like that is, good advice and it's the healthy thing to do it's going to make your life a lot easier and it's going to lead to more satisfying results but i don't do that i never do i i i take everything and then when i discover i miss something then i feel really bad about it um as you still should. feel yeah mm -hmm. i still feel bad that i unbelievably somehow lost uh Hal barbo and Hal pono for dothraki which um, I got like the major reason that I excluded B and P from the phonology, aside from the fact that they're ugly sounds that I don't like. 
um, is that I didn't have evidence of their existence, but I did. The, the, they were there and I missed them. So I still feel bad about that. Um, even though I'm satisfied with my explanation that you know, there was a merger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a merger and there can be, it, it can be like a, a dialect continuum, kind of like the, the TK thing in Hawaiian where you will right. still get people pronouncing the T's there that have been shifted to K's elsewhere. Um, right. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that, but it's not like I'm ever going to forget that and be like, oh, that was fine. That was a good decision even. It's like, no, I missed it. I missed it and I feel bad. Uh, but if you are the type of uh, Kylinger who is able to do that and say like, you know, the material that comes from these three books, that's going to be my canon because everything that came afterwards was terrible. And that's great. Um, and it'll probably make your life a lot easier. Um, now, beyond that, and I don't know if this is going to run into a follow-up question so you can tell me, like, there is the practical advice of what do you do with you have, if you like, here's your book and here are some words, right? Were you going to ask that later or can we get another um, That That was like, another part of this question because this question actually is question and then like part a and part b and you just hit on part Mm -hmm. a and that is yeah that you (laughs) you do have one straight hair um or one section um but yeah Yeah. so given the fact that you may have um anything from place name and character names to even sometimes those you know italicized words that just randomly show up as like part of the language um yeah advice for figuring out what to do with all these little pieces that are kind of scattered mm-hmm. in, in the book or show if it's not a written text of course it could be a show as well yeah so i i started off with a lot of uh, macro general advice but here i want to delve into some micro stuff because i think that there is a very uh there are some very useful things that uh everybody learns as they go through linguistics as an undergraduate um that are quite useful um which is uh it can be kind of glossed over but it's like especially if you're the type of conlanger who's been at it for a little bit and so uh, it just feels more natural to kind of do things but it, it helps sometimes to go back to the very very basics um and one of the one of the cornerstones i think of any type of a of linguistic analysis is is minimal pairs um, or near minimal pairs. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, it's going to be a really, really hard thing if there's just like a whole bunch of a mess of data, because ultimately that's what you're working with. You're working with data. But, you know, whether you're working with sounds or whether you're working with meanings, you could always just say, all right, here's the sentence and here's what it's supposed to mean. Let's write it down. Now let's see if there's any of these words that have been used anywhere else throughout the text. And then let's pull that out and pull that meaning out so that you can just look at the two and see what's the same and what's different and try to both assign meanings to different pieces and also um, figure out how shades of meanings work. So like um, this is, I mean, this is exactly what I did with with Dothraki Um, and it's, it's very helpful because it can help you make decisions that are actually quite advanced that you might not have thought of. Like, and this is not, this is talking about meaning more than than, uh, sounds at the moment, but like there, um, 
there are these two phrases uh, that are in the first uh, Game of Thrones book. Um, and it's Chalaka uh, Dothrae, which is translated as the prince is writing. Okay. Then there's another one, Chalaka Dothrae Mranha. And that's translated as a prince rides inside me. Um, so first, that's a, a beautiful minimal pair because you can say, all right, if, however it's going to work, obviously the branha part is going to be inside me. But beyond that, there was something that was even more of a gift, I thought, um, when I was building this. Um, because the words don't change, the Dothraki words don't change, but you have halaka, which is clearly both the prince and a prince. Mm -hmm. And that was great. Because all, all it told me is like, all right, there's probably not, you know, definite marking. I mean, if I had really wanted it, I could have found some sort of wild, you know, exception to do whatever I wanted. But right. the simplest explanation was that, okay, this, this language just doesn't care, like Russian or mm -hmm. Latin. And then the next part was uh, Dothrai, which was translated at one point in time as is writing. And then at the second time as rides. And so then there again, I could say, all right, maybe this language just doesn't make that distinction. You know, mm -hmm. it's not gonna have like some distinction between you know, present progressive or general present. It's not gonna right. have different marking. Um, and I could tell that because of the translation, right? And that the translation was um, taken to be accurate, right? And that I had these two sentences to compare. So you're not always gonna get that. And you're right. not always going to get like total minimal pairs. Often there will be near minimal pairs. But um, it, it's kind of like with um, figuring out which part was Prince and which part was Ride. You couldn't actually figure that out from those two sentences. Yeah. Right. You could figure out the inside me part. But the other one, you didn't know which was which. But you pull it out knowing that, all right, they're called the Dothraki. They ride a mm -hmm. lot of horses. There's this place called Vice Dothrak. And so it's like, you can kind of figure out, okay, it, it would make sense if they were like the writers or something like that. Right. And then you have words like hal, halesi, and then halaka. They all have to do with some sort of like chain of command. And so you can figure it out, right? That it makes the most sense for that to be the prince. Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of specific work that you're going through. And you can do that both for meaning and you can do it for sounds as well, where mm -hmm. it's like, you can just say, here are all the words. Let's find all the sounds that you see there. And then you can separately go and say, how many sounds occur at the beginning of the word? How many sounds occur at the end of a word? How many sounds can occur next to each other? And right. is it next to each other at the beginning of the word, at the end of the word, or in the middle of the word? And as you kind of write all these things out, uh, I, one of two things are gonna happen. Either patterns will naturally emerge, mm -hmm you'll bring your own patterns to it and say, okay, is there anything that disproves this with what I have called canon? Right. And if it does, you need to revise. If it doesn't, you could just say, this is gonna be a pattern moving forward and write it down and then move on. So when you had these forms, because obviously these are the modern forms, yeah. And you needed to create proto forms. Did you create for these specific ones? Because mm -hmm. you knew they were going to be canon and they had to look this way in the modern form to match what was there. Um, did you end up like doing proto forms that 
that really like stayed the same for these particular routes? Or did you have to then like, as you created all the rules, have to like work back to say, well, what would Dothre have been to fit all these other rules? Yeah, that was that was more difficult and it was less satisfying, I'll I'll mm -hmm. tell you, because it's always less satisfying to start with something and work backwards. It just doesn't work out as well. Uh, but you know, I did I did my best. Um and yeah, a lot of times the protoforms looked very, very similar. Um, mm -hmm. That's fine. It wasn't going back that far anyway. It was just going back to, to a time where, you know, there were some grammatical differences. There were some phonological differences. Um, but you can look at what I created as this older form of Dothraki and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In other words, it wasn't like, it wasn't like looking at English and then looking at Proto-Indo-European. It was right. more like looking at Spanish and then Old Spanish, not even going back as okay. far as Latin. Okay, know? right. Um, and, that, and, that, and that wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the Proto-forms do look similar, but also this is, mm -hmm. where, this is where disappearing sounds can really be your friend. Um, okay. So it's like Dothraki is a four vowel system. Um, but it came from a six vowel system. Mm -hmm. um, two central vowels, because of course you can always delete central vowels and nobody will miss them. As all of our patrons, I'm sure will agree with all die. the central vowel annihilation series that you mm -hmm. have done. Yes. Yeah, it was delightful. So yeah, uh, the, the protoform of Dothraki has a schwa and it has a barred I um, and they're just gone. They're gone. Mm. Different things happened to them when they were stressed, when they were unstressed, when they were a part of a paradigm. Ah, oh, it was just mm, so nice. So, so, nice. so at least um, anyone listening right now will know that this has been a long-standing pattern for David and his conlangs: is mm -hmm. central vowels just to kill them. That's what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> or they're there to be vowels in your language. But I mean, whatever, that's, that's cool. Let's, I mean, come on. It, it's just the two of us. We can talk seriously right now. These things are the red shirts of phonetics. <laughs> <laughs> the red like, shirts of phonetics. Yeah, it's like, all right, we're 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 picking some vowels. It's like, okay, E, eh, ah, ooh, come on over. Yeah, and we're also <laughs> going to take, um, ugh, why don't you come too? And they're like, oh boy, my first away mission. I'm sure nothing's going to go wrong. Oh, yes. Okay. So, I, I mean, listen, central vowels have a place and like, whatever. Uh, that's why languages have them. There's a reason they exist, David, but oh, whatever. Yeah, no, they, they uh, do have a place. It's, it's just like, you know, it's just like that character that needs to die in order to move the plot forward. You know, and so do you. Is your prediction then? This is a little off track here, but do you mm -hmm. predict that central vowels will die in natural languages? Is this a prediction that eventually they'll all just be annihilated because that's what they're there for? Well, all vowel systems are in a state of flux. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Here. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, I, and honestly, vowels. One of my least favorite things to teach to students when working with IPA because it's like. Yeah, I mean, you say your, you know, a sound different than I say my a sound, and in a word, yeah, that does sound actually more like ad, and I think it should sound more like, you know, like it just, mm. yeah, it's bizarre. Vowels are the verbs of phonetics. 
consonants are the nouns. <laughs> Down on the verbs, man. Okay. Um, were you done with that one or I did you have more to say? Probably not. Okay. Because actually to go back to something you had said, because that sentence was a prince rides inside of me. And I'm guessing that's like a way of saying I'm pregnant in Dothraki. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that like matches up well. So apparently what you were given in the books actually was kind of nice in terms of how certain things matched up, but then also how you yeah. have these, these great parallels with like, okay, writing is important to them. So important that this is actually how they say something like I'm carrying a child. Um, but with that, um, did you, have you been in a situation where you looked at the meaning and you're like, there's just no way that that sentence A should mean this and then sentence B should mean this totally other thing. Have you ever been in a situation like that or have you been lucky enough to not have to oh, worry yeah. about? So, so what advice do you have when that happens, when you're looking at these two things and you're like, there's just, there's no way fucking cry <laughs> okay so that's the advice um go ahead I, and take your moment <laughs> all right you know what i'm i'll give you an example because i was able to i was able to find a way to do this um the uh 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 lee bardugo bless her heart dear friend Good friend, good friend. But, um, you know, I was trying to, you know, build out the, the Robkin language for uh, the first season of, of Shadow and Bone. And there's just, we have these two phrases, Sol Koroleva, which means the uh, sun queen, mm -hmm. um, and Soldat Sol, which means sun soldiers. And yeah, and and I understand her methodology, which is it sounded better, because mm -hmm. otherwise you're saying soul soldat, and that's right. Yeah, but the the truth is like if if however those constructions work, they're like identical. Right. And it wouldn't sound bad to the speakers of that language. Right. Um, and so it was like, I, there was like no way I could distinguish between these two phrases. They work exactly the same. And it's just, oh, God, what do I do with this? So I did something. I did something. And I think it kind of fixed it. Um, so it's like this is a this is a language where two things can happen. One, you can just have something that a noun that uh, acts upon another in apposition, sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's a, a language that has cases. And so I was like, uh, it was also going to be a language that has uh, genders. Um, it was just going to be something that was going to happen. It was from the books. There was we were going to have to be rolling with a masculine, feminine, and neuter. Um, and so this is the word for sun. And I was like, all right, well, if I just make it so that this word is in a gender where the genitive looks like the nominative for this particular mm -hmm. type, then this can work. And right. so that is exactly what I did. 
And so for one of them, it's a noun acting in apposition. For the other one, it is a noun in the genitive. So, you know, there's things you can do beyond crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I hear. Um, but yeah, that's gotta be like a really difficult thing. And I know that it happens um, a lot because, and not, not just because it's not necessarily a linguist making the words, but I mean, that helps if linguists are actually helping. Um, but also like anyone I think who's written a creative work knows that at some point in the book, if you don't have good enough notes, you're gonna like write down the wrong thing and you're not gonna yeah. remember to go back 300 pages and look to see, wait, what order did I put it in here? Um, and so like that yeah. could be, especially because like the language wasn't the focus of the book. So it wasn't right. like that was the, the driving force behind it. And so, you know, you're just, you're gonna get mistakes like that. Um, so yeah, that's and, a good thing one, to keep in mind. And one of the big problems with this is that um, if you make a, a decision like the, like the one I made, if you make that decision, it's like, you only get so many of those. Right. Right. It's like there's only going to be so many genders. And once you set up that case system, it's like the, there's only it's like so it's like, all right, well, I made that decision to make this thing work. Mm -hmm. And you're hoping that you don't come down the line and find something else that's incongruous where you don't have any decisions left that you can make. There's no other areas of grammar that you haven't mapped out yet. Right. Um, that you can pull in to save you somehow. Um, and that absolutely has happened with another project, uh, not, not with Shadow Bone, with a different project where I mean, it's just, I, I, I did my best. Uh, some places I screwed up and some places there was just nothing, nothing to be done. Right. <sighs> and uh, that, that can hurt sometimes. Um, Okay, so the next part of this question actually goes away from looking at the the words and the whatever constructions or structures that you have and the meanings you have to deal with, but turning to and I and I know you've talked specifically um, about D and D before, and so I'm going to bring in um, a little Dungeons and Dragons reference here. Um, because sometimes what you get is a world where the way they describe the languages or how the languages work just doesn't make sense linguistically. And so for anyone yeah. who's not familiar with D&D, they have like in the official guide um, by character race. So like if you have an orc, an elf, a gnome, a dwarf, um, they each speak different languages, but it's like separated by race. Um, and that doesn't really make sense unless they all lived in the same area. and spoke that together but the concept of the D, D world is that you know not every orc came from orc town <laughs> and not every gnome lives in gnomeville it's instead they're like all mixed together so regionally it doesn't make sense and also it doesn't give the um it, it doesn't say that you know like oh the gnome who lived in gnomeville may speak a different language or dialect than the gnome who lives in gnome land right so like mm -hmm. even then it doesn't necessarily map out and that's not even to consider the descriptions of the language with how they describe them to say like how they sound or whatever. Um, yeah. And so, because I know like specifically, I do have a lot of students right now super into doing D and D languages. And so like, I know that's a thing too that a lot of conlangers enjoy doing as you know, if they're a dungeon master or whatever. Uh, but that also means you're given this world that doesn't really make sense with how they 
create the languages. So what advice do you have for people who are working in that kind of thing? Maybe not necessarily D&D, but that yeah. kind of setup where it just doesn't make sense. Well, let me start with uh, giving some praise to D&D for, for this reason, because this is something I actually didn't understand about it before I started playing with it. Um, you know, like I, my understanding of D&D was like, you know, because like they have these books with all these rules. And so it's like, my thought was you have to read these books and memorize them. And then you have to play by them. Otherwise you're playing wrong. But it becomes clear as you're reading these things, it's like, here's a bunch of stuff that we've set up for you. Now, if you're creating the game, you can create it and tweak it how you like. It's like, that's mm -hmm. part of the entire ethos. I don't think they expect anybody to be playing the game exactly the way that they've written it. Written it, And I think that's a really, I know, I think it's a really good way to go about it. Um, you know, and but yeah, obviously, if you're working with something like, you know, a book series or, or anything, that's going to be really, really different. And that's a shame. That's a shame, I think. Um, it would be nice if, not if it could be more collaborative, but I don't know, just if there were a different understanding of what canon meant and what it had to be, um, you know, uh if it, if there wasn't a constant feeling like you know you have to be stuck by by what was created and i know that that's uh, i think a lot of what people enjoy about fan fiction mm -hmm. but then <clears throat> at the same time i know that's what a lot of people argue about with fan fiction mm -hmm. because it's like the whole point of fan fiction is like you're doing your own thing but then you'll get people arguing it's like like no harry wouldn't do that because of blah 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 and it's like you've already moved beyond that right how is this even a discussion you know, right. but um, anyway, so yeah, if, if you're working with an incongruous world, ultimately the question that you're gonna be re wrestling with, and it's a very high level question, is how much do I care about? Like how important is this? What am I acceptable? Well, what, what can I accept uh, as being an acceptable change and what is not? Um, and so I think it's a, it's a good and important discussion to have at the beginning to figure it out. And then you can decide, all right, these, these are my fence posts, everything else mm -hmm. I can feel free to change. And if you give yourself that permission, then you should really feel free to change it. Right. Um, and yeah, so like, and there, are, I, I both love and hate how you will see fans try to rescue in incongruity um right. i love it because it, it just shows you how ingenious people can be where it's like here are these absolutely irreconcilable facts and there's no way that anybody could possibly have any different interpretation and then suddenly here's five different people with five different fixes for it um, some of them aren't great, but some of them can be quite clever. And I love that ingenuity. Uh, but at the same time, I wish they didn't feel they had to do that. Um, right. That it's like this drive. It's like, well, I love this. And so this thing must be perfect. Um, and so I have to put in all of this mental energy to preserve its perfection um, so that everything that was written is exactly 100% true. Um, and I just don't feel people should have to do that. It, it shouldn't be necessary. But, right, it shouldn't be, but like, 
based on what you had said about how you took, you know, all this data and it had to be like everything, not just like yeah. a part of it, would you be able to ignore those incongruities? Well, the thing is like, it, it was different for me because like, I'm, I'm not the fan, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a different level of responsibility. It's okay. one thing if you're doing your own thing because that's what you love and that's why you're doing it. It's, a, it's quite another thing if you're one of potentially many people who have been plucked out and are being paid to do right. this, right? It's a totally different level there. Um, so you're saying if you had created Dothraki as a fan lane, like just totally because you loved it so much that you wanted to create a language just for your, your own edification, you're saying you would have been able to ignore some of the things. <laughs> it's a thinker. It's hard when you have this textual evidence and there's, and it's so clear because that was the thing for me. It was so clear what everything meant um, because of the way it was written and the mm -hmm. way it was done. Um, and because he did put a, a level of care into it where it's like the sounds weren't random. Right. The meanings weren't random. Um, so that it would have been much harder to justify because of course what I wanted to do with Dothraki um, like if I just wanted to do something was I wanted an agglutinative language um, mm. with great big verbs um, and probably not many cases, but like if you just looked at it, it's like, there's no way this is, this is an SVO standard average European language. And so it was like taking that as my baseline. I was like, what else can I do possibly? What can I do with this? Were you tempted to say that the TH is actually just like don't tracky, you know, to get rid of that? <laughs> Were you tempted? No, I mean, the, you okay. couldn't, you couldn't. It was, it's right in the name of the language. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's like looking at it and saying it should be pronounced Dothraki. George. Well, apparently that's how some people look at it and say it. <laughs> 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 and it's not me in case you're wondering if you're listening. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So fan links, if you're doing it, make it, yeah. make it work how you want to. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know of any existing fan links that are available online, like descriptions of them available online that are what you think would be like good examples for other people to draw inspiration from if they're like trying to see like, well, you know, what's what's possible, especially if they want to create a language for the same world, just to kind of see what's well, out there. I'll say this, it's harder to assess the quality vis-a-vis -vis how good a fan it is if you're mm. not up on the fandom. Yeah, yeah. So so that's going to be tough for me because the first the first one that came to mind, of course, was uh, the Gerudo language, um, but I don't know anything about it. It's from it's from Link, um, Legend of Zelda. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, and I know it's got it actually does have quite a following, and um, mm -hmm. and you know so it's and it's pretty big, but like I don't know like. I, I, I kind of checked out after A Link to the Past, which was the third game that was on SNES. Um, and so sure. like, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, this guy's just a total casual. I, I get that. Uh, and I just- That's exactly that. what I'm thinking. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's like, I didn't play Majora's Mask. I didn't play Ocarina of Time. So I don't know. Um, and these are these are things that you just know, obviously, just off the back of your head. Um, obviously. So I don't know what material she was drawing from. Um, so I can't like assist how good a job she did. But I know that it's out there and it's big and it's got a lot of YouTube videos. And the thing that I'm trying to do now. And that's is, um, in Christine Johnson, right? For Gerudo? Thank you for remembering that because that's what I was looking up. I was looking up the name and I'm going to try to find, um, you know, so we can just say like a social media. I know um, she's on Twitter. Yes. Um, and so I can find that if you want to think or say any other language. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find it too yes and christine um, johnson and it's gerudos ehenev <laughs> did i say that right that's her, yeah, her so, twitter so name the people are are the gerudo tribe mm -hmm. um and hmm. so it's, it's kind of funny of course trisyllabic uh trisyllabic words so you chose initial <laughs> i would have said I, I do that don't i mm -hmm. um is that how it's supposed to be I don't know. And I'm typing it out. Um, so that way I remember to also put that in the post whenever I post this podcast. Yeah. So that way, if you're yeah. on Twitter, you can find. Yeah. Her Twitter, by the way, is at um, Gerudos. So G-E-R-U-D-O-S. And then Ehenev. A Sorry, did the pronunciation there. E-H-E-N-I-V. So G-E-R. U-D-O-S-E-H-E-N-I-V. Yes. Okay, so that's one. Um, I mean, obviously one of the, the biggest, uh, I don't even know if you want to call this a fan lang, but it was in the Star, the Star Wars Extended Universe was uh, the Mandoa language um, that was created for uh, by an author for one of the novels in the Star Wars Extended Universe, but then released. And so a lot of people um, are familiar with it. And enjoy. And what it. was that name again? Mandoa, M A N D O apostrophe A. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then um, I know that it wasn't used in The Mandalorian. Um, and so some people were miffed by that. Um, and then, well, I guess depending on your definition of fanling, you know, um, the. Uh, uh, Yes, I do know that one. Andrew Andrew Smith um, created his language, uh, Brythenic, right? Um, in this universe where he supposed that the uh, Romans stuck around in England much longer than they mm -hmm. did. Um, and so uh, they, that they left a, um, a Romance language there. And that was uh, Brythenic, a Romance language with Celtic sound changes, yeah. So, um, and Andrew Smith, he's the linguist in Kentucky, right? No, no, no. Uh, no, New that's Zealand. Andrew Bird. Never mind. Never yeah. Mind. No, he's he's I'm from Andrew. New Zealand, and and yeah, I was looking forward to meeting him too, but then that New Zealand trip was canceled because of right. COVID. Yeah. Um, um. By the way, I call those if langs. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go for alt lang, but like. I don't know, alt, -lang. alt gets used in a, a lot of different contexts. So if lang. 
Alt, like... alt lang is used actually. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. So here's the thing. So I mentioned that one, but that one wasn't the fan lang. No. Uh, the fan lang was when he presented this uh, to the con lang list. People liked it so much that they just wanted to create languages in his universe, and many did. Wow. So, so there's yeah, like so branching like, off. Okay. Yeah, like not even necessarily related, just in different parts of that universe. Like uh, Venetic uh, was uh, by Jan van Steenbergen. Um, and that Ooh. is one that's set in the Ilbethisad universe. Okay. Um, there were several others, but Venetic is probably the most well-developed um, of okay. all the ones that I've seen. Um, and so, yeah, that was, and that's kind of a cool thing, just like, because, you know, Andrew Smith, he was just a conlinger, but created something so cool that people just wanted to jump on board. That's all gotcha. guys. Um, that is there so have cool. Been, yeah, there have been a number of Toki Pona spinoffs as well. Um, yes. So you can consider those to be fanlings, but conling fanlings. Um, and then mm, there's one that's just on the tip of my little itty bitty brain and I can't get it right now. Mm. I'm yeah. glad your brain has a tip <laughs> thinking like conehead it's a it's a cliff and then for some reason there's a smaller brain that has arms and legs that kind of like sits its legs over the cliff and just you know sits and kicks and watches watches the sunset glad to know that's how your brain works yeah um but no those are those are all really great examples and i tried to take note of them all um, but i can always ask you later if i miss something uh, yeah. for the the post no we're not talking after this anymore no you got uh, nine minutes and that's it that's it um on a timer that's good that's good um okay so here's the next question okay what fanlings would you like to see would you most like to see developed and done well so in other words like what Mm. book series game whatever yeah. <clears throat> would you like to see a, a language created for and i have two answers of my own so i'm very curious to hear yours first and then i'll give mine oh yeah number one is absolutely um avatar the last airbender okay yeah that um, was mine okay well that was one of my two one of my yeah. two yeah i mean and it's 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 top i mean it was it's so wild. the 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 world building was was very interesting and very good, even if mm -hmm. uh, some of it was a, a bit appropriative. But like, it was just the writing that was so good, the yeah. writing and the action of this that just made this story so good and so compelling. Um, the, I mean, it, it just it begged for this type of treatment and it didn't get it, and, and it just kills me. Yeah. <clears throat> um there was no way it would have happened it started too early you know but yeah yeah it, it's something that and for that really one, deserved a proper treatment yeah and for that one um i could definitely see each of the you know bending groups having a different language because they actually were yep. isolated from other mm -hmm. areas and people um but like it wouldn't just be the benders, it would be like the humans in the region too would probably have that same language. Um, exactly. And so like that could be really cool because then you also get like the the north and the south water bending areas. Mm -hmm. And so it's like how you're gonna treat those whether they came from the same source originally or like two completely separate things. Um, I just, I don't know. I just think that's like really exciting in terms of like what you could do plus 
the visual imagery like could you imagine creating an orthography that looks like it belongs in that world like that would yeah. be really fun and not only that <clears throat> knowing like you also know that they actually have that history right yeah, for all the peoples and where they migrated from they mm -hmm. actually have that history unlike you know unlike you know a lot of these book series where it's just you know they only have so much right. um, they went all the way back because you saw a lot of it in legend of Korra, um mm -hmm. in, in the in the in the sequel series uh, so it's like it could have been done right it could have been done really well it could have been the greatest conlanging project ever yes ah it really could have. So yes, a fanling or actually multiple fanlings for that world would definitely top my list. Do you have any others that you would want to see done? Well, um, if I'm just talking about myself as a fan, just as a total fan uh, and things and something that really speaks to me, it's Labyrinth, um, mm -hmm. which of course is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I've always wanted to, you know, I've always just wanted to see that set. Mm. Well, the second one I was thinking of maybe harkens back to roughly the same time um, mm. because I want to see Florin and Gilder from Princess Bride because <laughs> they talk about oh. Florinese and they talk about Gilder, the language. I forget whether they specifically just call it Gilder or like Gildanese or something, but it, Florinese is specifically mentioned in the books. Um, the two languages are mentioned, but never, like there's no phrases, everything is, you know, besides just names, I guess, but even the names are translated into English, like hmm. Cliffs of Terror or whatever. And so um, like, I think that would be super awesome to actually have those languages fleshed out. Oh. That would be, yeah. so you've read the book. Or created. Oh, well, the book. Book, book, you've read yeah. the book. Yeah, I've, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that there was a book. Oh my God. <laughs> the book came before the movie um <laughs> obviously um and at the beginning of the movie that's like literally the grandpa is reading the beginning of the princess bride yeah to the boy who's still <laughs> speaking of, oh by the way speaking of fan fiction um in labyrinth of course it's something that's so maddening um sarah has a book called the labyrinth um, but it doesn't exist. Like it's, it's not real. And not only that, like the book that she has, you know that it's not actually supposed to be the story of what is happening in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's a second book about this labyrinth that is slightly different and it's so tantalizing. Mm. And just nothing. So, so there could be a fan fiction book but, created for the yeah in the in the movie book okay it's and it's a book that god you just wish existed uh and of course <laughs> the funny thing is that uh the movie labyrinth was uh, an adaptation of a book but it was a children's book like a picture book <laughs> <laughs> it, it took some leaps to get to the movie because this children's picture book, and I'm trying to imagine how this would be appropriate for children, but um, you know, a young girl named Sarah goes to the land of the goblins and in order to escape them, she becomes their queen and instructs them to dance until they die. <laughs> I mean, there are some fables though, isn't there the, um, 
there's a famous ballet that's based on a fable where it's like literally people are dancing until they die. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but anyway, it's all good. It's good. Things happen. Was it, in the, case. Uh, was it, was it the ankle cracker? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> if you didn't have to add a syllable, that would have been better. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, I thought of the foot cracker, but you know, just it's not. Quite, yeah. Um, yeah right. So one thing about everything that we have said in this podcast, like, and I, I understand that everybody's interested in doing fanlings or using existing mm. worlds, um, but everything that we've said is totally applicable to somebody creating their own fantasy world in terms of things to think about. And um, especially with like, I know that some people are like, why don't we have names yet for these things? And it's like, well, actually naming practices are kind of hard to settle on sometimes. Um, and that takes a lot of language creation to get up to that point. And so like, in terms of advice beyond like, my piece of advice is don't go naming, you know, people and locations until you're really ready in the language for it if you're creating your own fantasy world. Um, but do you have any other advice, just general off the top of your head advice beyond that in terms specifically to, you know, making your world and languages that you're creating really work together well without shooting yourself in the foot? Mm. It you know, the, uh, a lot of the advice that I can think of is more general conlinging advice. Okay. Um, because like, especially, well, maybe this, this will be applicable. Um, I really encourage, uh, for somebody that's, that wants a fanling and wants it to really sound good and be special, really try to rein things in because mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems with, um, with, you know, especially authors just creating something on the fly and not thinking about it, is it's just, it's way too expansive in terms of its phonology and in terms of its grammatical structure. And basically that causes a language to lose character. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, it's like, it's like it, it, when you ask, yeah, hey, what's the phonology of your language? And they just hand you a chart of the IPA. And it's like, <laughs> okay, what can come at the end of the word, anything? middle <laughs> anything like what about any consonant clusters any right and it's just like you know and so like when you're you're going to be stuck with a bunch of words um and i really encourage you to try to find patterns and say so it's not even to say like what you can do really define what you can't do um mm -hmm. that's what's going to give it its character so try your best um try your best to rein it in um mm -hmm. because that'll help it feel like it'll help it feel cohesive like a language and it'll help it to feel special. Nice. And everyone wants their language to feel special. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, okay, so that is my full list of questions. We're at the end. I believe you said I had four more minutes. I think I hit it right on the dot, maybe. Um, and so do you have anything to add? since you always have something pithy to say at the end of every podcast we do. Yes, I have many things, many things to share, but the truth is nothing that I say is going to be as powerful as what this little boy says. <laughs> Isn't that right, Roman? 
Isn't that right? Actually, you want to, maybe, maybe we'll be able to hear this. Do you want to see what happens when I try to scratch his belly? I mean, really, I think we're, and ah. Roman is now biting. I mean, really, David, I'm starting to think that any scratches have been self-inflicted because you know what he does and you still reach He's your hand. He's so mad. He's so mad. You should have, he was matter. sleeping. He was I sleeping. Know, but his belly was so scritchable. Anyway, anyway, so nothing to add is what I'm getting from that other than here is why you have all the scratches on your arms because mm. poor Roman is trying to sleep and you wake him up. Poor little boy. <laughs> well, uh, we hope you enjoyed and um, we look forward to seeing you in the live streams and seeing you on Discord. Uh, been great watching all the very active conversations going on. And um, um, did you have something to add? Wait. Yeah, no, no, like uh, this is kind of a new venue where there might be some of our patrons that like only listen to the podcast or maybe don't pay attention to other stuff. We should actually mention the Discord. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So if you're a patron who um, primarily uses the podcast, um, then yes, we have a Discord just for patrons now. Um, and if you link up your, your um, Patreon account with your Discord account, so you need to do it on Patreon. Um, if you link your Discord account to it, then you will automatically be added at the tier where you belong um, into the server and you can join in with other conversations. Yeah. And it's pretty active, so that's cool. Yes, it is. Um, so, okay, so that's a great thing to add. Any other last minute things before I do the official send off? Um, you know, there might be. <laughs> this, yeah. this is the, the best way to do a podcast, to stop and silently stare at the camera. Hmm, here. I'll, I'll try to do something. Here we go. Also not necessarily effective unless you're just trying to do some sort of meditative soundscape yeah. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, yeah, nothing. nothing. Um, <laughs> in that case, everyone stay grammar and we'll see you around.